Good morning, church. Why don't you open your Bibles and let's, let's start this morning in Matthew 28. I'll say it that way. We're going to be flipping around to different sections this morning. But Matthew 28, verse 18 is where we're going to start in just a few minutes. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of a history lesson to kind of set the context of where we're going this morning. Uh, June 6, 1944 is known in history. You historians may know it as D-Day. June 6, 1944, the Allied forces had a clear mission to come together and to defeat Nazi Germany. Over the next five days following D-Day, and uh, as they came upon the beaches of Normandy, France, over the next five-day period, 326,000 Allied troops stormed the beaches there in France with one mission, to defeat Nazi Germany. Over that period of five days, as a result of the battle that took place there, 209,000 soldiers were killed, injured, or went missing as a result of the battle there at D-Day. Even though it was a massive amount of casualties, even though it was a massive undertaking called D-Day, there was a massive group of people that felt and believed that their mission was bigger than them and the mission was compelling enough, even compelling enough, to give their lives for that mission there that day that we call D-Day. And here we are several generations after, thankful for that. Now what I want to share with you this morning is this, that as the people of God, our God that we just sang about, how great is our God, the mission that God has entrusted to us, we as the people of God have a mission that is much more compelling, is much more eternally significant, and listen, is much more worthy to give your life for, even though that was a worthy mission. The mission of the kingdom of God and this mission that Jesus has given us of making disciples who make disciples who make disciples and you investing your life in that is of greater eternal value than any other mission you could ever invest in. This morning I want to ask you again, what is... What is, and if you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, and you call this your church home, you, you hear this drum beat a lot, and we're going to continue to beat this drum. What is the mission of the church? There are a myriad of things that churches can do. There are infinite amount of good things that churches can do, and we're involved in a lot of things. But at the end of the day, Jesus has been crystal clear on what the mission of the church is. It's not up for a a vote. Uh, It's not decided by a group of guys getting in front of a dry race board and saying, okay, let's come up with the mission of the church. It's not up to the electoral college or the popular vote. It's up to King Jesus what the mission of his people, the church, is to be. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. You've heard this many times before. We're going to start there this morning. Jesus came up, spoke to them, his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, go therefore and make disciples. There's one verb here. The rest of these are participles. The disciple is this make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. 
of all the nations, baptizing them as a public testimony, teaching them, growing in Christ, in their faith, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The mission of the church is crystal clear from the words of Jesus. We are to be about. We are to be about sharing the message of Christ, seeing men and women come and be transformed by the person of Christ, growing in their faith, growing in our relationship with Christ, maturing, fruitful, vibrant believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then realizing I have been given the responsibility to then take this message to others where I live, work, and play, and the ends of the earth. we got a mission. It is of eternal value, souls hang in a balance. This is the message and the mission of Christ. Christ came, He was sent, He is now sending us. We have a compelling mission that is worth giving our lives for. So this morning I want us to continue to wrestle with this whole idea of what it looks like to be a church that's on mission. It is to make disciples. We We believe that begins in the home. You hear us talk a lot about the family discipleship plan here. The reason is we believe this process of making disciples starts in our homes. We are parents, and our first mission field is our children. And we as a church are trying to equip one another and equip one another as parents to make disciples at home. And then our community, this mission is local. It starts where you, child of God, where you live, where you work, where you play, where you spend your time. We, we talked about that a little bit last week. This commission of the Lord Jesus begins with personal evangelism. I have the message of the gospel of what Christ has done. The gospel is an announcement. Jesus died, rose again for you, for your sin, that you can know God. We have that begins here with personal evangelism. I, I got to tell you, I'm so encouraged this week. You know, last week, if you were here, we, we challenged you to take the next week, this past week, take one of those names on your card where you've been praying for your three names and take them out to coffee, take somebody to lunch, invite someone over to your house, go invite someone to play golf, whatever the case is, and pray and ask God for an opportunity to share the message of the gospel. We invited you to go online and share that and celebrate that. You can fill out the card out here or write the name on the board. We've been hearing stories of people going to lunches and inviting people in their homes. And this week, hearing stories of people inviting other families into their home. And God, give me the opportunity. I'm praying to share Christ. We talked last week, the, the, the mission of the... The mandate to share the gospel evangelism is not for the paid professionals only. It's not for the professional missionaries. Every believer been entrusted with the message of Christ to share with those that don't know him, those in our community. So the mission, it's clear, make disciples. It's local, it starts right here, where we live, work, and play. And then thirdly, I want to talk to you this morning for just a few minutes of the the reality that this mission that Jesus has given us is also global. It starts in our homes, it starts with our families. It it involves our community where we live. We're here as salt and light, but also the church, us, we, we're to have our eyes on the nations as well. Say, where do you get that from? Well, back to Matthew 28 again. Let me read it again. I want to highlight a phrase here. Jesus said this, came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of who? 
All the nations. All the nations. Jesus is very clear. And remember, he's talking to a bunch of guys here that Galileans, they had never been very far from home. They'd never been outside their own country. They couldn't even imagine what the nations were. But the idea is this, that it is to, it is to spread to the ends of the earth. There is not to be a corner. Think about it this way. There's not to be a corner of the earth that is not heard and is not exposed with the person and the work and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We believe that. There's not a corner of the earth that's not to hear about it. That's what he said to his disciples. All the nations. Now listen, he said that 2,000 years ago. You're here today 2,000 years later. And you, you need to understand, you were the ends of the earth back then, right? 2,000 years ago. Aren't we blessed and thankful to God for his grace that someone brought the gospel to you? And someone shared the gospel with you. We're here singing about Christ. We know him. We have our Bibles. We have our fellowship. We have one another. Thank God somebody took that seriously and brought the gospel to you. Right? Jesus is saying, listen, there's not to be a corner of the earth that does not have the light of the gospel drop down in them. And the way I'm going to do it is through people. You say, you think he knew about the internet? I'm sure he knew about the internet. I'm sure he knew about all the different ways. But ultimately, his means of taking the message has been and will always be ultimately people taking the message to people. So this mission is clearly global. God's heart is global in nature. It's not just on one particular people. It's very easy for us to become very... uh, egocentric, if you will, or very uh, focused on ourselves and forget that God's program, God's plan is for the globe, for all the peoples, not just us. We have the gospel. We have a responsibility to those dark corners of the earth that have never heard. You can't read through the Bible. You can't start in Genesis. You can't read the Revelation. You can't read anywhere in this book without hearing God's heart for the nations, for the peoples of the world. Let me give you some examples. Genesis 12. You don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll put them up on the screen for you. Go, go all the way back to Genesis 12. A guy named Abraham. The, the nations of the world are scattered after the Tower of Babel. They're scattered all over the world. God says, I have a plan to reach the nations of the world. I'm going to start a brand new nation. How do you do that? You start with a person. Start with Abram or Abraham. I'll start a brand new nation. Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram or Abraham. You've heard that song, Father Abraham had many sons. That's this guy, Abraham. Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land that I will show you, the land we would say today of Canaan or Israel. I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse the, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Why? And all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God says, I'm going to start an entire nation, the nation of Israel. Why? To be a blessing to the peoples of the world. Psalm 67. Go about a thousand years later. Psalm 67. The psalmist says it this way. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine on us. Why? 
That your way, O God, may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. And let all the peoples praise you. You can summarize it this way. God blesses us to be a blessing to the nations of the world. Keep going. Luke chapter 2. Getting ready to celebrate Christmas. Christmas is right around the corner. Some of you go, oh. Christmas is right around the corner. It's not very far away. My kids have added it up. I think we're 33 days from Christmas Eve or something like that. Anyway, Christmas is right around the corner. Celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus. What is the massive significance of that? Luke chapter 2, a man named Zechariah, the priest of that day. When Jesus is born, his family brings him to the temple. Zechariah holds this baby in his arms, and he looks down at baby Jesus and says this. Verse 28 of Luke 2, he, Zechariah, took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, speaking of himself, because he was older and couldn't wait to see the Messiah. He's now seen the Messiah. Verse 30, I've seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. The nations, the nations, the nations, the nations, the nations. What about the future? You say, I'm a little concerned about the future. Lately, you know, Pastor Mike, the election, pro, con, whatever you think about the election, I don't know what's going to happen. The future's kind of uncertain. Let me assure you, in the mind of God, the future is not uncertain. In fact, let me give you a glimpse into the future. Revelation chapter 4, a glimpse, we read it earlier, a glimpse of the throne around the very presence of the Lord Jesus, the Father in heaven forever and ever. And Re- Revelation 4, 9 says, And they, those that have been redeemed, sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scrolls, to open its seals. For you, Jesus, were slain, and by your blood you ransomed, you bought, you purchased people for God from where? Every tribe. Every language, every people, every nation. So that was a little Bible drill exercise for you to understand. From Genesis to Revelation is a picture of a God who is on mission. He has a plan. And it's not just about the United States of America. It's not just about English speakers. God is in the business of drawing men and women, boys and girls, from every nation on the planet unto himself. And oh, by the way, he will accomplish his plan. (laughs) There will be that day that every tongue, tribe, and nation is represented in the very presence of God because our God is absolutely sovereign. So what I want to do for just a few minutes is is I want to challenge our thinking in this and what is our responsibility with this? In fact, I want to expand our thinking a little bit back back to, to Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus makes a statement here and Again, you've probably read it a hundred times, but Jesus makes a statement, and I want us to clarify what he means by something. He, he says, go, make disciples, now stay with me, of all the nations. We hear that word nation, and here's probably what you think. You, you Maybe you think of a globe, or maybe you think about the, the flags that are in this room as representing, if you know your geography at all, go ahead, go ahead and put a map up of the nations. You think, okay, if you know your geography at all, there's somewhere around 196 nations on the planet. 196, give or take one or two, something like that. 
So when Jesus said, go to all the nations, you think, okay, we got to get the gospel, if you will, to all 196 nations. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. When we say nations, we think of geopolitical entities like France or Germany or Canada or Mexico, these geopolitical nations, and that's not what Jesus was talking about. The word is ethne here. He said, take the message to Ponta, all ethne, all ethne. The word ethne, we get the word ethnic from it. It's this. Missiologists would translate this word people groups. People groups. Not determined by geographical boundary, but a people group is determined by commonality, common language, common identity, common culture, common history. There's something in common that this particular group of people have that make them an us and everybody else a them, so to speak, and make them unique. So to understand the enormity of what Jesus is saying here, 196 nations on the planet, but when you're talking about people groups, boom, somewhere around 16,000 people groups on the planet. Common language, common culture, common history. So when Jesus in, in the Great Commission says, go making disciples of all the ethne, he means there shouldn't be a corner of the planet or a single people group that do not have the light of the gospel that have not heard the message of what I have done, have not heard about God's plan and His love for the world. 16,000. And that's a lot of stats and a lot of information for you. I, wanna, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to watch just a short two-minute video that explains this whole idea of people groups a little bit more. And then we're going to come back and understand what Jesus meant and what our responsibility in all of this is as His people. So go ahead and run that video uh, there for just a second. What is a UPG? UPG stands for Unreached People Group, but to understand what that means, we need to first talk about people groups. When Jesus told his followers, go and make disciples of all nations, the Greek words he used were ta ethne, meaning all ethnic groups or people groups. So what is a people group? A people group is basically a group of individuals that have a common sense of history, language, beliefs, and identity. It is pretty much a group of people that considers us, us, and everyone else, them. While there are about 196 countries in the world today, there are over 16,000 distinct people groups. Let's look at Pakistan as an example. That is one nation going by our English word, but ethnically Pakistan has over 400 distinct nations, or people groups, within its borders. Around 7,000 of those 16,000 total people groups are considered UPGs, or unreached people groups. A group is considered unreached if less than 2% of their population is evangelical Christian. That is, it has too few true believers to evangelize and disciple the rest of the people group. Almost 3 billion people fall into this category. Over 3,000 of those 7,000 unreached people groups are considered UUPGs, or unengaged unreached people groups. These people groups have no churches, no believers, no missionaries, and no one actively focused on engaging them. 95% of all unreached people groups are located in the part of the world between 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees latitude, stretching from North Africa to Southeast Asia. 
We call this the 1040 window. It's in the 1040 window that most of the major non-Christian religions hold sway. At the same time, it's estimated that over 350 unreached people groups are living in the United States today as immigrants, refugees, and international students. We must welcome the unreached. Christ commands us to make disciples of all nations. Jesus is alive. His mission for us is clear, yet the task stands incomplete. Together, we can change that. All right, so you guys look up here for a second. I know that's a lot, a lot of information, so let me boil that down to you before we go to Romans chapter 10 in just a minute. Basically, what, what missiologists tell us again is 16,000 people groups. Go ahead and put that. Here's, here's a graph I want you to see. 16,000 people groups around the world, right? 7 billion people. That is a number we can't even get our mind around. 7,000 of those people groups would be considered unreached. Meaning, within that people group, 98% of the people there are unbelievers. That's 7,000 people groups. Now, here, here's the incredible number to us this morning. Of that 7,000 unreached people groups, 3,000 of those people groups would be considered unengaged, unreached people groups. I can't even get all my mind around. What does that mean? Here's what that means. 1.3 billion people in our world would be considered an unengaged, unreached person. Let me tell you the implications of that. Implications of that are if you were born in an unengaged, unreached people group, it is most likely that you will be born, you will be educated, you'll go to school, you may get married, have a family, and you'll die, and you'll never meet another Christian. It means most likely that you'll be born, you'll live, you'll grow old, and you'll die, and you'll never read a single verse from Scripture You'll never hear, it's possible, never even hear the name of Jesus Christ. Much less the gospel and who he is and what he has done and a call to place faith in Christ and have your eternity impacted by Christ. Now it's real easy for that to be numbers on a screen. I want you to hear, therefore, when Jesus says... Go, make disciples, share the message, see them grow, start churches, equip and train and send. He's talking about there shouldn't be any people groups on the planet that haven't had the opportunity to hear the message of the gospel. As we stand here today, there are around 3,000 of these groups that if somebody wanted to hear about Jesus, there would be nobody to tell them. And you say, I can't even conceive of that in the age of the internet. What? Understand, most of these are in closed nations where the internet is blocked out and they don't even have the capacity to even get to the internet. So for us this morning, this is some of those stats, and I don't, my hope is that the Spirit of God will even take some of these stats and, and leave your heart unsettled, and you'll be like me. First time I went to Laos several years ago into a closed nation, I met, I can't tell you how many people, who had never heard the name of Jesus. They had no church to go to. They, they own no Bible. And I left that nation thinking it ought not be this way. <laughs> we shouldn't be okay with that reality. So biblically, 
What is our responsibility then with this information that we've just heard? Romans, Romans chapter 3, we're going to start there. I'm just going to walk you through a few more verses, and then I'm going to give you some practical steps of application this morning. Paul helps us get our minds around our responsibility with this. He begins in Romans chapter 3, verse 9, and makes these statements. He says, For we've already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. That's Jews and Gentiles, every person. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. Translation, no human being alive is righteous left to themselves. Therefore, every human being ever born apart from Christ is doomed. And that's heavy on our hearts. See, there's a movement of field today, and it's always been the case to say, okay, well, I know there's uh, so many people that I haven't heard before, and maybe God gives them a pass because they haven't heard. That's not what Scripture teaches. I don't understand how all of it goes together, but Romans chapter 3 is crystal clear. When we talk about a 1.3 billion people, and we talk about moms and dads and Sons and daughters and grandparents who've never heard. It's not that God gives them a pass. Oh, well, you never heard. Romans is clear. All are under the judgment of God apart from Christ because of sin. And God is just in that. He's righteous in that. And by the way, nobody deserves to have the gospel brought to them. You have the gospel brought to you by grace. Period. So that, that 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 ought to prick our hearts when we hear that. We also know Acts 4.12 We sing about it. Maybe we have it memorized. It says this, And there is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The Bible, even in the age of tolerance, even in the age that you live today, is crystal clear. There is one way that a person, a man, a woman, a boy or girl can be made right with God and enjoy the blessings of knowing God. There is one way, and it's a person, Jesus Christ. Right? And to say amen to that in the context of everything we just read is not amen, thank God for my salvation. Yes, it's that. But it's also the gripping reality that there are 1.3 billion people who've never even heard of Him. And to push back the cultural notion that, well, you know, if you're a... If you're a committed... Hindu, or a committed loyal Muslim, or you're a committed Methodist, or whatever you want to call it, then God will give you a wink even though you may not believe in Jesus. The Bible totally blasts that as absolutely untrue. Therefore, we are compelled because of His glory and because of who He is and because we have been immersed in His grace and know Christ that it should break our hearts of the reality that Jesus is the only way and there is a bunch of people on the planet who've never even heard His name. Right? So Paul goes on. He deals with this. Romans 10, if you want to turn there really quick, Romans 10, verse 13, Paul says, And everyone, 
We celebrate this. This is good news. We thank God for this reality. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is unto those who by faith believe in the person of Christ. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be transformed, saved, forgiven. Yes. But then Paul goes on, Romans 10, 14. He asks a question, and I hope this question resonates in our heart even this morning. He says, how then will they call on him whom they've not believed? How will they then believe in him whom they've never heard? If you hadn't arrived at that question on your own, Paul's going to handle it for you. How can they place faith in the one they've never even heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching and the word preaching there is not the professional preachers the word preaching there is the word tell share proclaim point is this how can light shatter the darkness if there's no light there how can they place faith in the person they've never heard and how can they hear unless someone tells them and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful how beautiful are the feet of those who preach or bring the good news of Christ. So Paul makes the argument here and makes the case here that Jesus is the only way. We believe in the exclusivity of Christ. We believe in the eternal lostness of man apart from Christ. Therefore, they must hear the person of Christ to believe and to be transformed and to know Jesus. Therefore, we have a responsibility as the people of God. That's the point. That's why Paul, at the beginning of the book of Romans, says he is under obligation to those who have not heard. He says in chapter 15, I'm compelled. I make it my mission of my life. I must go tell those who have not heard. Therefore, every believer has a responsibility to those who have not heard. Every believer is not going to go to Pakistan. Every believer is not going to go to these unreached people groups. I get that. But every believer has a responsibility What is our responsibility this morning? Okay? Let me walk you through that. Here's the question, the final question I'm going to answer. How then do I get Jesus to the nations? (laughs) Pastor Mike, it's a compelling argument from Scripture. I I see the tension there. Even in my heart, I I prayed with a bunch of guys back here this morning at 9 o'clock before the service, like we always do, and I shared that stat. 1.3 billion, I've never heard. And one of the guys back there praying just couldn't stay. He couldn't even leave the room when we were finished because he'd never got his mind or even tried to wrestle with the reality. Here we are in a church, Bibles everywhere, gospel proclamation everywhere, Bible-saturated East Tennessee. Is it even imaginable there are 1.3 billion people on the planet who couldn't even, even if they wanted to know Jesus, there's nobody there to tell them. Now, God's faithful. He gets the messengers there. He gets the gospel there. God is sovereign. He will finish his work. We know that. What's my responsibility and your responsibility in this? Let me give you a few steps, okay? How do I get Jesus to the nations? I'm going to give you four or five here practical steps. Number one, responsibility for you may be to learn. What does that mean? Learn about some of the things I've been sharing with you this morning. 
Uh, go ahead and put that slide up. Our, our Go team has done a great job on our website, Tri-Cities Baptist Church, to give you plenty of information there. There's videos and there's resources and there's books that you can read and there's links that you can follow to say, I've, I've never been confronted with this like I am this morning. I've got I to study this. I've got to learn this. Is this a reality? What do I do? So learn about the reality. Let's get out of our little East Tennessee bubble to the nations because God's heart is on the nation. Secondly, you can pray. Let me give you a resource to help you with that. I, my iPhone, I don't have it, it's right on there. My iPhone, I get an email like this every day from an organization called the Joshua Project. I don't pray this every day, I gotta be honest with you, on a regular basis. Every day they send this little thing out like this, and it's an unreached people group of the day. Phrase you can pray, verse you can look up, and you are confronted with this group of people, the Mongols in Mongolia. How many, so many of them have never even heard the gospel. Lord, I'm gonna pray for this people group. And what does that do? It keeps your heart sensitive. It draws your heart away from yourself to the nations of the world. So you can learn, you can pray. Number three, you can welcome. It's amazing to realize that the ethne or the nations are coming here to America where you live. They're coming here even to East Tennessee where you live. 350 unreached people groups are here in America. 35 nations are represented on the ETSU campus. I'm going to ask Ginger Schultz to come on up. She's going to share her heart about this. I want you to hear from one of your own brothers and sisters in Christ. I heard an amazing statistic this week. International students who come from the unreached people groups to America, nine out of ten of them are never even invited into an American's home. So it's possible they come, they're educated, they're surrounded by believers, and no one ever takes the time to share the gospel with them before they go back to their country. This is Ginger Schultz, her and John are members of our church, and she's a, a mom and a homemaker and a, a very busy lady. I'm going to go ahead and give you that. And, and I know her, I know her heart that she has for the internationals that are in our community, and I just wanted her to share with you uh, the heart that she has and how her family is trying to welcome the internationals that are right here in our community. So thank you for being with us. So just share your heart about that. Thank you. I just wanted to start by sharing a verse. The foreigner among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God, Leviticus 19.34. Um, God deserves worship from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and he is bringing internationals to East Tennessee. Um, a lot of these unengaged, unreached people groups we've talked about this morning, some of them, a few of them, are here in the Tri-Cities area. We've met people from Saudi Arabia, Egypt, China, Malaysia, just to mention a few places. There are 350 international students at ETSU, and most of them won't set foot in an American home during their time here unless we invite them. Um, and I don't know if you realize the opportunity that we have is so incredible, not only to reach these very unreached people who wouldn't otherwise hear, but many of them, most of them, are going to go back to their home countries to be leaders. Um, the U.S. State Department lists that nearly 300 of today's world leaders, presidents, prime ministers, people in positions of authority and government, studied in the United States for their college education. Some of those include um, King Abdullah of Jordan, the president of Indonesia, the president of Honduras. The prime minister of Jordan actually studied at um, the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. So we often kind of look at the world today and we see a lot of problems. But what if some of these students who are being brought to the United States were able to not only come and get a college education, 
but to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and take that back to their home countries as they rule and as they lead and as they um, get married and have children. So we have an incredible opportunity if we see it from God's perspective. Yeah, fantastic. So just really quick, one second. Share particularly how you're using ESL, uh, a tool to reach the internationals here. Okay, so God's given me an opportunity um, this year um, to be able to teach English as a second language twice a week. There's a family from Lebanon, and the mom doesn't know English. Um, so I've been meeting in her home and sharing with her. She um, has been growing in great strides. One of the ways that's um, a good way to share ESL or to use the gospel to leverage through ESL is to do Bible stories. Um, you can have, you don't have to have a certificate in ESL, by the way, to be able to teach. Um, you just have to speak English and be able to have a conversation with someone. So a lot of them maybe are highly educated, can read and write, but need someone just to talk to them. But if you do Bible stories, you can have them read it and then recount the story to you, or you can read it to them and have them tell it back to you, and um, yeah. that's a good way to be able to share with them. Yeah, fantastic. So I want you as a church to hear from a very busy mom, uh, a sister in Christ who is welcoming the people that God is sending into our community. So would you let Ginger know how appreciative you are and thankful for her? Some of you are wondering, can you teach hillbilly as a second language? I mean, maybe so. I'm not sure. So you can learn. You can pray. You can welcome those that God is sending here. And then I'm going to give you a couple more, and we're going to be finished this morning. What, within our responsibility, the next, you can give financially, and we talk about that. Uh, as we, as the people of God, as we give through this local church, I want you to know a great deal, a great portion of what you give Unto the Lord goes to reaching the unreached in places like Africa through partners we have there, partners we have in Southeast Asia, portions go to reach unreached people groups there. We partner with the International Mission Board, the largest sending agency in America, and your, part of your regular tithes and offerings goes directly uh, to financially fund reaching unreached people groups through those means. Also, I want you to know about give to go you hear us talk a lot about that. There's an over and above opportunity. You say, I want to I invest. I mean, I have a responsibility. I, God's blessed me. I want to invest financially. Give to go is an over and above fund. Every dime that you give to give to go goes out of our church to send, to equip to, for projects here locally and internationally. It is a missions fund. Every dime in that goes out as an over and above offering for you. So one way is we give. And then finally, I want to talk about the last one, and, and going to be uh, hopefully challenging, encourage you to, is some of us go. Uh, some of us literally go from where we are here in East Tennessee, and we cross a culture, or we cross a border, or we cross a boundary, and we are literally sent out. I recognize the call is not on everybody's life to be sent out, but there are many who God is stirring in their hearts to be sent. So on our website at tcbchurch.org, under our Go team, there's a page now called Send Me. Pastor Jeff, uh, the team there has done a great job of putting this together so you, as members of this church, can go to this fantastic tool and say, okay, God may be sending me. What are the opportunities for me to go? You can see these boxes. I know it's a little tough to read from where you are, but there's three different go opportunities. They're short-term. Short-term is two weeks or less. Uh, we send out short-term teams all the time from this church, places like Central America, places like South Africa. Uh, those are going on all the time. We, don't even, we can't even announce them all from here, but you can go to that web page and say, I've never been overseas. I don't even own a passport. Man, I need to go be exposed to what God is doing around the world. There's the place you go to find out about those. 
There's also midterm opportunities. Now, midterm opportunities are from two weeks to two years in length. Uh, a lot of our college students take advantage of these. A lot of our retirees take advantage of these. Incredible opportunities listed on there. For example, I'll give you some examples. Mackenzie Patton, she's in her 20s. She's a part of our church. She's a, she works, but she got a leave of absence from her job. She now is serving with the International Mission Board in the continent of Africa for a four-month period. She'll be back in December. She went on one of these midterms. This past summer, 12 people from our church went on an extended midterm opportunity. Girls like Allison Cabanus went to, as a college student, went to Ecuador for six weeks. We had guys that went to Mexico. We had guys that went all over the world, literally. Those opportunities are on there for you to take a look. We have retirees that are taking advantage of this. I love this. We have retirees in our church that are saying, rather than collect shells, if you will, in my retirement. I'm going to invest my time in the kingdom. Families like The Means, Terry Louise, Polly and Jeff Chater, John and Penny Maxwell, some of them just got back from Africa serving there, using their retirement. Say, I'd love to do that. You can go to our website and check out some opportunities. Uh, Midterm, and then there's long term. That's the bottom box down here. Now listen, I am convinced and I am prayerful And I am trusting and believing that there are some as a part of this church family who God is calling out. (laughs) Like I've been praying for that. Your elders have been praying for that. I was reading in Acts 16 where Paul received the Macedonian call of someone who said, Come over and help us from where you are. And I was was reading that. I was praying, Lord, would you even use this message today to stir in the hearts of some in our church who are sensing a call. Lord, I am to cross the culture, cross the border, and plant my life for the sake of the gospel. I know that's not for everyone, but I know it's for some. And if that's you and you're here and you don't even know where that is, you don't even know the next step, again, on our website, that green box, it's now active. All you have to do is go on and click that box. A very short form you'll fill out. It will go to our Go team. They will follow up with you. And we will walk through a process with you like other families in our church who say, God may be raising us up and we may be sent out from Tri-Cities for two years, five years, maybe for life. Why? Because of the responsibility before God and how great is our God. He is worth it. There is no greater mission I could give my life to. I am pleading with God that that is some of you in this room. So I know you've heard a lot. I know you've heard a ton of stats. I know some of this is overwhelming. So here's where I want to close. Okay, I want to close with this and we're done. So how's all this going to turn out someday? What's the future going to be? Well, we, let me put this verse up on Matthew 24. Here, here's what Jesus said. Ready? He said, I want to give you a glimpse into the future. Jesus said this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the ethne, people groups, and then the end will come. And then the end. We follow and we, we worship a sovereign God who is going to carry out His mission. The mission of making disciples is going to be completed because of the greatness of our God. It's going to happen. I want to be able to stand before my God and say, my answer to you was yes. 
And whatever you called me to do, whatever you called me to give, wherever you called me to go, whoever you called me to invite into my home, whatever you called me to do to be a part of this eternally significant mission, my answer to you was yes. I pray that's your answer to him as well. Would you bow your head for just a minute? I'm going to ask the team to come on up. And I, I want this to just be kind of a holy moment of you wrestling with God. I'm trusting the Spirit of God is working in hearts and He's stirring in hearts and He's challenging you with some things you've heard this morning from His Word. And I'm just going to trust the Spirit of God to speak this morning and trust you to obey. For some of you, it, it may mean I, I need to be educated. I need to learn this. I'm going to go to the website and just learn more about these people groups. For some of you, this means, yes, I'm going to begin to pray for a particular group of people or I'm going to invite that neighbor into my home that's from another country or I'm going to go get my passport and be ready to go as God calls. Some of you are wrestling. Some of you have been wrestling with a long-term call to go and cross a culture. We as a church want to walk with you. We as a church want to resource you. We as a church want to send you as God leads. So we're going to sing in just a moment. We're going to sing a hymn of praise to our God. And as we do that, we're worshiping because He is worthy. And then we're going to continue to obey Him in whatever and wherever He calls us because He's worthy. Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray for this church, God. This redeemed community. You've called us out Lord to send us and God I pray that we will simply obey what you're prompting and calling and leading us to do oh God because you are worth it we love you we praise you in Jesus name we pray together